and welcome to the Orient Outlook podcast, sponsored by Carol Langley Flores with myself, Steve Nussbaum. And this week, I'm delighted that he's back. I'm delighted to be joined by my good friend, South Stan Chum, bearded legend, the one and only, the daddy-o, the feel-good factor. It's Mr. Paul Levy. Thank you very much indeed. Hello, everybody. What a fantastic welcome back that was. Thank you very much indeed. Welcome back to you all. This is episode number 313. Delighted to be back in my seat this week. And my thanks goes to Charlie Paul for stepping in at the last minute last week to cover for me. Yeah, health has not been great for me the last couple of weeks, but I am pleased to say uh, I am pretty much recovered now. So also thanks to everyone who's uh, bed with us, uh, especially in the uh, episode uh, three eleven, where my voice was literally <laughs> hanging by a, a hair string. Uh, this week we've got highlights of the Swindon game to review. We've got a pretty, well, I was going to say pretty busy week, but having just gone through it all, it's not that busy at all. So we should be able to get to the Swindon game relatively quickly. But before we do all of that, we've got special guest Matt Porter waiting on the phone to speak to us and. Uh, rather timely it is too to have a, a club guest on uh, so let's just crack on then as always we start with a word from our sponsors we certainly do so our sponsors are Carol Langley Florist who are based in Chinkford specialising in bespoke flowers from the finest growers in the world they can do anything from weddings bar mitzvahs event packages and don't forget it's Mother's Day coming up in just two weeks and they offer all O's fans and staff a whopping 15% off that could save you quite a bit of money so to get in touch with John and their fantastic team of florists. You can give them a call on 0208 529 4130 or you can get in contact with the guys across many social media platforms. You can find them on Twitter <coughs> at Carol Langley E4 or on Essex Biz, which is John's personal Twitter account. You can find them on Instagram at Carol Langley Florist. You can also find them on Facebook at Carol Langley Florists as well. Absolutely. So, as I mentioned just a moment ago, we are delighted to be joined on the phone by Leighton Orient, uh, former Leighton Orient CEO and current board uh, director at Leighton Orient, Matt Porter. Matt, thank you so much for coming on uh, and bearing with us for a couple of postponements, but we are at the rearranged fixture <laughs> as it stands now. And I, th- I guess just to start, really, your thoughts on, on yesterday's game? Um, I thought it was I thought it was a relatively entertaining game. Probably a draw was about right. Um, you know, look, it's 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 more difficult now for us to go and dominate games than it maybe was earlier in the season because teams have seen us play and they have got ideas on how to stop us. But um, you know, look, it was another point in the right direction, wasn't it? We're getting towards that time of the season now, and I think Richie's referred to just keeping the. The uh, the points tally ticking over, so it, it it did the job yesterday, and and you know we move on seven unbeaten. This might be a really daft question. I, I don't think we've had you on the podcast in quite a while, but thoughts on the season? I mean, are you surprised with how well the O's are doing this season? Uh, yeah, I'm surprised we've got over seventy points by the first week of March. I don't think anybody would be would be telling the truth if they thought we we were definitely going to be at that level. Um, we we hoped, stroke, expected to be. At, in the top seven um, but clearly you know what happened in that first third first half of the season was just absolutely phenomenal and and you know all the club records that were broken and and the landmarks that were reached were, were amazing it was great to, to watch it so I think you know what we're doing now is consolidating on that and and you know and, and hopefully getting over the line um, towards where we want to be but there's still quite a long way to go isn't there best part of the third of the, uh, quarter of the season still yeah that there is and, and um, it, it's opening up a little bit below us uh, Carlisle seem to have crept up the league they're second now they've won their last three 
three games yeah. on the bounce. Does any do any of them concern like you? I mean, you you as an Orient fan rather than you as the board member. Do any of them concern you that they might kind of impact us in any way, shape, or form? Or no, you, I mean, look, you can't let that be a concern, can you? You can only worry about yourselves. Um, it's it's a real bum fight beneath us, isn't it? You know, mm. I mean, Stevenage runs a poor run of form and they've been sort of sucked back in. It was ourselves and Stevenage who were a bit clear, wasn't it, a few weeks ago? But yeah. there's seven teams in a very, very short, um, you know, with a very short points difference at the moment. So it's quite nice just being able to have that little bit of a cushion, but we've got to make sure that we don't get, uh, you know, dragged into that group. Absolutely. Carlisle in second on 61 points. Mansfield... Uh, on 55 points in eighth spot, so just outside. So there's literally just six points between automatic and just outside the playoff. It's incredible. Matt, you mentioned Stevens yeah. beating. Oh, go on. Sorry, Matt. No, I was going to say, and I think that's probably about right because it, it is a relatively even division, isn't it? I mean, look at yesterday's results with, with Rochdale beating Stevenage and you know how Gillingham and Colchester have improved, Hartlepool picking up points. It's probably only really Crawley that are... That are really struggling um, at, at the bottom at the moment so what a shame that is <laughs> Matt you mentioned Stevenage being on a poor run obviously our January was a fairly uh, poor run we might have echoed the words mini crisis on this podcast and, and on social media what were your views on no it wasn't a cri- no it wasn't a crisis someone said that to me yesterday I said that is the most ridiculous thing I've, I've heard I mean imagine having that many points and then going a few games without a win and calling it a crisis Crisis is when you've got twenty odd points by March, as some of the teams have got. You know that's a crisis. That was a that was a temporary loss of form. You know, I mean, people have to keep things in proportion. You couldn't have expected at one point around Christmas time we were at two point four points per game on average. If you, nobody could have expected that to have been sustained over a forty six game period, you know, Man City aren't aren't capable of delivering that. So. It wasn't a crisis, it was a short loss of form which has subsequently been recovered. So let's keep everything let's keep everything realistic. In my defence, I use <laughs> I, I use the word You're mini. Indefensible. You're indefensible, Levy, I, you know. <laughs> I used the word mini before crisis because it was about okay. loss of form. Micro. Lo- loss Micro. Of, it, it was about loss of form, about injuries and about suspensions. Because of well, where we were at crisis, that point. yeah, injury crisis, and we did have a we did have a bad disciplinary run for a few weeks. So yeah. I'll, I'll I will accept that on those two compounded. Points, in, term, <laughs> compounded. in terms of results, you know, you mm. have to expect a, a period without without um, without it being as as many points as you'd want. I mean, don't forget last year we did the same the same sort of thing. We were in a very strong position come early December. Yeah. We did the same sort of thing. The difference was we didn't recover it last season. Yeah. You know, we ended up going 15, 16 games without a win before Richie came in. Whereas this year, after having gone six or seven games without a win, whatever it was throughout uh, the new year period, we've subsequently recovered it. So I think that's, you know, I think that's an important point. Yeah. Did you feel any pressure in January, Matt? Obviously, Stevenage made some signings early. They started gaining on us. We obviously went there and lost. Um, and for the first time, it felt like we might not win the league in my eyes anyway. As a board member, were you feeling the pressure in January or was it as relaxed as what it seemed to be on the outside? I mean, we never, we never, we never relaxed because if you relax, that would breed complacency. Um, but in the same vein, we weren't, under pressure, we just had to make sure we did everything right. If uh, you know, and I don't, I'm not trying to contradict myself there, but 
it's obviously important that you get transfer windows right and we get some right and and you know others have been less successful than we'd have wanted but i think on by and large the majority have been have been uh, successful so you just want to make sure that you, you do it right and if you look at the standard of player that we brought in during january with Sadlier and turns and and McCart, you know Jordan Lydon, who's who's you know obviously still to get up to full fitness, etc. Then then I think they're they're a good standard of player who have improved us as a as a squad. Mm. Yeah, where do you think we'll end uh, up at the end of the season, Matt? You thinking we'll we'll top this league as champions? I mean, look, it's you know it's it's difficult to say that because you say that now and if it doesn't happen everybody can take the mickey out of you or you come across as arrogant or, or whatever but we're, we're top of the table we've been top of the table for a long time the squad is good enough to remain top of the table so it's kind of in their hands isn't it you know it's 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 a good position to be in not one that we've had too many seasons where we've we've been able to be in such a, a you know a, a fortunate position by this stage um, but you know we, we've just got to see it through. Until we see the job through, there's nothing to get excited about. Cool. Um, interested to know kind of what the corridors of power are in, uh, kind of go, uh, chatting about at the moment. Just uh, I guess obviously we're going to come to uh, you know Mark Devlin's um, program notes uh, from yesterday. But just in, in in general, what's kind of like bouncing around the the board WhatsApp group at the moment? What's kind of topical? What what's being discussed? Are you able to give us any sort of insights at all? Um, yeah, we tend to talk a lot about uh, football politics, football business, football financial matters. We share a lot of articles, uh, you know, media articles or. Um, you know, think things that would be of interest from the wider industry that, that we can learn from and see what other clubs are doing, what what other uh, leagues are doing, or whatever, and 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 see how that can perhaps influence our our strategy. So there's a lot of wide ranging conversation. Um, you know, as you can imagine, with having a, a number of overseas board members, we talk a, a lot about how um, business and uh, and sport works in other countries as well. So it's 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 good, healthy debate and. Um, I think it's a good way for us to 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 ensure that we've got enough overall knowledge to to do the best we can for the club. Richie Wellens. We don't tend to have conversations like he's a better right back than him or he should be playing <laughs> centre forward or anything like that. If that's what if that's no, what you're, you're, you're looking for, we don't we don't tend to pick the team. You're not still talking about Brophy better as a left back or left winger, then? Right? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. So Richie celebrates a year at Leighton Orient uh, this coming week. Uh, I think we'd be remiss of us not to mention that. I mean, Matt, what what mm. do you think um, has impressed you most about Richie in the year that he's been at the club? I think with Richie, you've got you've got a full package. You've got the football knowledge and the tactical knowledge, but you've got a great person to go along with that as well. His personality is 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 really infectious. Uh, his enthusiasm and the way that he. It's obvious he's in charge. I think that's really important as well. And if I look on successful managers, I've been fortunate enough to work with, you know, that Justin, Russ, Martin, you know, they all have a lot of those characteristics in common. Um, and Richie can Richie can engage with the players. He can be their friend, but he can also be their boss. And I think that's really important, particularly in the modern era, something that we perhaps didn't have before. Um, and you know, I think it's the fact that he's been there and done that at this level before with Swindon a couple of years ago is also going to help him in this latter period of the season, given our position. Yeah. Um, in Mark Devlin's program notes yesterday, he mentioned 
several uh, important updates really. Uh, he, one of them was about the cost of season tickets going up and in some tickets maybe going up by as much as 20% and obviously appreciating you know, the club's costs have gone up um, but obviously so has the cost of living for fans and there's some potentially uh, that might not be able to afford to be able to, to renew and we may end up potentially losing some loyal fans who can't afford to do that. How does how do you guys at, at, at the board level kind of balance out obviously the need to increase versus the potential loss of, of income from fans that can't renew? It's a very difficult balancing act, isn't it? You're right, and it's not something we take lightly or, or something we, we don't take fan support for granted. Um, yeah, look, it's the cost of living crisis is not something that you need me to explain to anybody. Um, but the, the cost of running the football club is astronomical, and particularly if we would we would need to be in a position next year where our playing budget is increased. Um, you know, the, uh, look when we when we came back in 2017, uh, when I came back in 2017, it was Marshall and I who set, who set the ticket prices. To be honest with you, and we wanted to keep them extremely affordable at the time because clearly it was National League football for a start and secondly we've, we knew that there was a disengaged fan base because of what had happened over the previous three years so ticket prices were were extremely cheap and there was a, a minor rise when we came back into the Football League but if you look at our prices now compared to over 15 years ago it's actually cheaper on a match day basis uh, to watch to watch us now you know if you were to buy a uh, a South Stand ticket um, for the, say, 2006-2007 season would have cost you £20. Well, it's costing you £18 this season. There isn't a business in the world who can afford to charge less for something now than they, they were charging 15 years ago. Um, so I, I think I was up at Tranmere the other week and I think their match day prices are £28. Um, you know, we are very, very reasonable um, for 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 our ticket prices, and if we were to be playing in League One, obviously there would be a natural rise anyway. But that allied with the cost of running the club and keeping the club progressing at League One level does unfortunately mean we are going to have to rebalance the ticket prices to the level that they perhaps should be, not the level that they were reintroduced that five or six years ago when the club was in a very, very different place to what it is now. It's obviously unfortunate if there are fans out there who, you know, would find it a struggle to, to pay those, the, the extra money that would be asked of them. I'm sure the club will be looking at ways to make payment more um, achievable in terms of instalments or payment plans or, or anything like that. Um, but unfortunately, it's the, the club... Has to has to pay its way, um, and you know match day prices are something that we, we do need to reassess. Good answer, Matt. Appreciate your honesty um, with that one. So as well as match day and season ticket prices, Mark's notes were also um, focused or mentioned about Brisbane Road potentially be moving. So as we record this, twenty four hours later, we're still getting loads of tweets about it with people obviously giving their opinions. And I know your name's not Mark Devlin, and it's not your responsibility. Um, to be kind of answering the question, but I think we could we can't not have you on here and not ask you the question. So, I mean, in terms of Brisbane Road moving or being redeveloped, I mean, what what are you willing to say? Or what can you say on that? Well, what what I would say is, if you read Mark's notes carefully, what he says is, we have been asked if the club would consider moving to a new stadium. So he's responding to 
questions that he's had in from a fan or a group of fans or whatever there. And what Mark's saying is, if the club was to carry on progressing, he talks about moving up the leagues and increasing its fan base, then yeah, there is a possibility that we would outgrow Brisbane Road. You know, our current capacity is just over 9,000 and that includes an extremely ageing East Stand, which, you know, I think is going to be approaching its 90th year relatively soon it's not a fit for purpose stand in the modern in the modern football world and we have to consider how much money we can keep spending on renovating it you know it's got a very nice looking new roof that we put in a couple of years ago it costs three quarters of a million pounds give or take you know it's a huge huge expense to keep the east stand running so are we better off looking at a new East Stand, which would be, again, several million pounds, and that's something that, that Mark's alluded to. But if the club was... Let's say the club was to move through League One in the next... League Two and League One in the next few years. And let's say we were to get to another League One playoff final. And let's say we were to be a bit more successful than we were in the last one that we got to, and I've just about stopped crying from. And then let's say we established ourselves in the Championship. Are you telling me that even if we'd rebuilt the East Stand to slightly increase our capacity to 11, 12,000 or whatever that that would be sustainable for the championship. It wouldn't be, would it? It's it's very difficult for the club to progress beyond uh, the, the next level up with the current stadium that it's got. So are we going out there at the moment, driving around East London and looking for new sites? No, we're not. Are we saying if in some point within the next X number of years the club was to elevate itself to the next level in terms of size and reach and everything like that, that we would potentially need to look for somewhere new. Yeah, well, it would be remiss of us. Imagine if we were in the championship and we were selling out 9,000 every week and the fans were saying to us, well, we can't get a ticket because there's all these new fans and all these more away fans and everything like that and you're not doing anything about it. That would be more irresponsible than saying, well, perhaps we should know what our position would be if we were to get to that status. So don't get me wrong. There is no, we're not, we haven't looked for a site. We haven't identified a site. We certainly can't afford a new site. But that's not to say that if the status of the club was to change in the future, that we wouldn't be going through that process. And obviously that would include a huge amount of fan consultation because clearly if it's not going to be popular with the fans, you can't do it because you you wouldn't have anybody in your nice new seats. So please, I would say to everybody, please don't take that as being a statement that we're looking to move stadium because we're not. What we're trying to be is a responsible board that's safeguarding the future of the football club at the different levels that it might be able to compete at. Supremely put. Supreme, yeah, really good answer. Um, so, I, I don't know... I didn't even, I didn't even practice that. <laughs> <laughs> um, in, in, there, there is mention of a project manager... Um, for the East stand, is that just someone to yeah. that's that's got the expertise about crowds and uh, and venues? Yeah, yeah. So look, the, the East stand, the East stand has basically been fiddled about with for want of a better phrase millions of times over the last 80 years and inside it is a real if you've ever been inside it is a real hodgepodge of corridors and little rooms here and there and bits that are a bit condemned and bits that are now a storage area and bits that are too small to get anybody into and what we're saying is can somebody come in and who, somebody who's got genuine stadium expertise you, when you look when you do anything stadium related you always bring in consultants and third party experts because there's so it's such a specific world. You don't sit there with your crayons and draw a new stand, you know? So it's it's somebody who can come in and look at the space and say, right, if you were to do this, if you were to take out that wall, 
Um, and if you were to put that there, you could have better toilets, you could have better bars, you could service more fans, you could have a nice room here or whatever. That's all, That's what that is. So that's to say, if we're going to keep the current East stand, this is how we can maximise it. Or if we're not going to keep the current East stand, this is what could go on that site. It's a, it's a project, it's a consultation process. And again, it's something that would take years to, to, to come to fruition and would take a lot of money to pay for. Again, good update on the East End, Matt. And I guess the last thing that Mark Devlin mentioned, I guess what's time to come on the podcast, right? Where <laughs> after the CEO puts out a, a, a massive update is the training ground where um, he said there's three potential sites. One is a favourite, but obviously didn't go into much more detail than that, Matt. So I guess is that where, where that's at? Yeah, I mean, look, we, we've... we've... Ever since, you know, forever, we've rented a training ground site. And obviously, when you rent a site, it's difficult to really do what you want on it or get the most that you want out of it. So what we're saying now is, can we identify a site that we could acquire and develop um, for the first team, the academy, the women's team, uh, community use, you know, a, a proper fit-for-purpose 21st century training site. I mean, that's a really exciting thing for the club to, to have the potential to own. Anybody who's been lucky enough to have been to a, a new training ground that a, a football club has, they're, they're phenomenally impressive places. You know, our training ground is okay at the moment. We use Chigwell School still, and it's, it's okay, you know, but we've used it a long time, and we don't really have the ability to... to improve it ourselves because we don't own it so again it's another process we're going through and you know for the club to be able to own and develop its own training ground would be a a real asset a real boost we had a number of questions that have come in on social media i'm sure you've probably seen some of them uh johnny eppers asks do you feel that presuming we finish the job the club is better placed infrastructure wise for further progress up the leagues compared with 2006 when we were last promoted from League Two? Yeah, we've got more infrastructure now. I mean, I wouldn't say our infrastructure now is hugely different from when, you know, maybe sort of 10 years ago, but it's hugely different from 15 years ago or whenever we last got promoted, 2006. Um, So in terms of office staff, and again, this would really need to go to Mark, but from what I see when I go in there, in terms of office staff and everything that goes around it, if we were to be in League One, we wouldn't really need to change or, or in, increase that hugely. You know, we, we'd be pretty much there in, in terms of being able to function at League One as we are now. Uh, Billy Reed 1989 uh, tweeted us a question, said a few months ago there was an article in the Times that said there were plans to turn a bar in the stadium into a tap room in partnership with the East London Brewery. Do you know if this is still planned? I think that would... I, I, I must admit, I don't know the details about that, but I think that would be difficult because we have a pouring rights contract with a major brewery, so that, that would probably be difficult. Um, Nick Clark Ailes. Um, no, we've already covered that one. Chris W underscore one said, your favourite moment being at Orient. You might have to dig into the archives for this one, but your favourite moment... Being at Orient, um, my favourite split second moments were uh, Dean Cox's playoff semi final goal. Yeah, and uh, Jonathan Tahui's equaliser against mm. Arsenal. These are a bit predictable, aren't they? Yeah. I think Paul <laughs> Connor scored a goal. I think against Peterborough in our last home game or second last home game of the. 05-06 season and I remember thinking when he scored that we were going to get promoted and 
what else? Yeah, unfortunately, when we won the National League, it was a bit of a damp squib, wasn't it? That mm. nil-nil draw against Braintree. Braintree you couldn't really yeah. call it your favourite, your favourite moment. But, yeah. Um, probably, probably Macaulay Bond's penalty at, at Sutton. Sutton. That was definitely yeah. my favourite moment of, of that season. What Keep, a game. Keepy up is from the keeper, yeah. What a game. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, what? never trust a goalkeeper in a short sleeve shirt, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Orient Steve, 72. So, is there any update on the contract offers to Viggs, Bex, Happy and Smith that were mentioned in December? Yeah, those discussions are still ongoing. You know, they won't be. Then, 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 those sort of com- contracts are never sort of done and dusted in a, in a day or two or a week or two. And you know, obviously, with the position the club's in at the moment, there's you know a certain amount of uncertainty as to where we'll be next season, etc. So, there's nothing to worry about on those fronts. Those conversations are ongoing. That's not to say the players will or won't sign, but there's no problems or anything like that. They're just going through their natural process. Charlie underscore Paul said, we've heard we've had a top seven budget since we've been in League Two. How competitive will our budget be in League One is the first question. Well, it, it wouldn't be a top seven budget in League One, um, but it would be a competitive budget. It wouldn't, be a, I don't, it wouldn't be a bottom six, bottom seven budget either. I would say what the conversations we've had so far, we would be putting ourselves somewhere in, in the middle. Okay. And obviously, there's a certain amount of guesswork because you don't know exactly what every other club is spending. But you can you can estimate and you can use bits of information that you can get from elsewhere. But we would be looking to pitch ourselves somewhere somewhere competitively in the middle. Charlie also had some questions around FFP, Matt. So he asked, "Can Matt explain how FFP works, and is that a bigger concern in League One than it would be in League Two?" I could only explain that if you're prepared to do a four-hour special with me, which nobody <laughs> would listen to. It'd be so boring. Um, it's, it's way too complicated to even give you a short answer on. Um, the only, the, I mean, it, it, it won't really make a huge difference to us in, in League One in terms of our ability to comply with it. It's actually, at football league level, it's actually called SCMP, Salary Cost Management Protocol, and it's related to having uh, a percentage of your overall turnover that you're allowed to spend on player wages. Um, but there's all sorts of exclusions and things you can and can't count. So it's it's honestly, don't, don't try and understand it unless you want to do your dissertation on it for your master's degree. <laughs> Um, Derby 507 said, can you explain what ownership Barry Hearn has with regards to the ground and how that could possibly uh, implicate future development? I I mean, for me, I'm pretty clear on on the ownership, but there seems to be a couple of fans out there, a few fans out there that don't seem to be too, too aware, Matt. So to avoid us making a bit of a hash of it, are you able to just give a bit of a summary as to what Barry's kind of involvement is with regards to ground ownership? Well, Barry owns the stadium and he, he leases it to the club. Um, the club has a very, very secure lease, which there's absolutely no intention to, to break on the part of, of, of Barry. It's actually the matron pension scheme that, that owns it. Um, I'm not really sure what else there is to, to say on that, really. I mean, Barry and Nigel have a, an excellent relationship. Barry been to a few games this season, brings his grandkids, enjoy, enjoys it. He's really, he asks me every week when he sees me in the office, how, you know, how's things? He's really, really pleased at how the, well the club's doing. And he, you know, he's had conversations with Nigel about, um, you know, what, what Nigel might want to do going forward and they, they, they just have a very positive, constructive relationship. So there's there's no concern. I did read one comment earlier, which I should clarify, which 
which did say that the clubs, it was almost the, the authority with which people speak is quite frightening sometimes, but somebody said clearly the club's rent will go up if we're in a higher division. That is absolute nonsense. In the same way, the club's rent wouldn't go down if we were in a lower division. The club's rent is not nothing to do with the status of the football, the football status of the club. So um, don't think that if we were to get promoted this year that the club would, would pay a higher rent um, because it wouldn't. To finish off then, Matt, um, as we sit here tonight, Orient top of the league, 11 games left. It's all looking very rosy. Everyone's mostly very happy. What's your message um, to the Orient fans to close this interview? Look, I think enjoy what we're going through at the moment. Is you know We know as Orient fans that over the 120, 130-odd years of our existence, we've, we've not had too many seasons where we've been able to, to be in the position that we are three quarters of the way through the season so enjoy it look nothing's ever going to be perfect but hopefully we're getting enough right to keep people happy and keep people wanting to come back week on week and tell their friends about and spread the message so um, you know thank you for your support I think the atmosphere has been really good at a number of home games and, and, and some of the home, away games too lately and um, you know let's keep that going because it does make a big difference to Richie and the boys they can thrive off the, the positive energy inside the stadium particularly when the stadium's as full as it has been over the last few weeks and months so Let's enjoy what the position we're in, and, and let's hope we can we can all be celebrating come the summer. Amazing, Matt. Thank you very much indeed uh, for joining us uh, this evening. Thanks for your frank and honest answers as always. And uh, yeah, hopefully in eleven games we'll be uh, chatting about a promotion. Um, all being well, hopefully as champions, uh, which would be the Fingers icing crossed. on the cake. It would. It would. Nice to talk to you, chaps. Take care, Cheers, buddy. Matt. Thanks, Matt. All right. See you soon. Good night. Bye. Bye. So that was Leighton Orient board member, director, Mr. Matt Porter. Spoke well. I quite always, like the answers that he well. gave. He's always honest and always gives good answers with some great context. So thank you to Matt and the club for sorting him and out. And obviously being a fan, as well as a board member, he's got obviously a lot of um, a lot of going, stuff going on on his plate. But, but he obviously looks at it from a fan perspective as well as the kind of business hat as well. So he's in a really unique yeah. position um, to give, give that level of insight. And, and, and I do think some of the... Uh, some of the fans need to um, kind of just calm down a bit I think in some way shape or form I mean you can't just go out there and buy a piece of land and build a stadium in, in like six months you know, it's not like moving house <laughs> it, it doesn't work in the same way um, and I think Mark's um, Mark uh, Devlin's uh, piece in the programme say, which I know we've got a piece later on but just as it was brought up in, in, in the interview I think Mark is just being open and honest about what is going on and I think it's triggered a couple of people or triggered a few or triggered a lot of people to be fair um, about the move and but, but it's just about being frank and, and transparent with, with fans it doesn't necessarily like it's not set in stone that that's going to happen we need a new trading ground Matt said we've needed one for 20 years we've just never Never done it uh, for whatever reason, uh, but now we're in a position where that's the kind of next evolution uh, at Leighton Orient. I think just people just need a little bit of perspective on things. And you know, I didn't see the tweet that Matt referred to about you know the rent going up. Like that's not how leasing works. You you sign a lease, there's rent review clauses yeah. and so on. Every I don't know how many five or eight or ten years, whatever uh, in increments that there are. And it just doesn't, you can't just go up. Oh, if you go up a league, then suddenly all of a sudden it goes up a hundred grand. That's just not how things work. Very interesting. And yeah, we've got a bit about that. Mark's notes later on from Saturday. So support was club updates in. So just the one trip to tell you about as the O's travel to Mansfield town on Saturday, the 11th of March, this one kicks off at 3 PM and leaves the supporters club at 9 AM. The adult fare for this trip is 40 pound 
concessions £30 kids, £20 who must be accompanied by an adult and there's also a £3 surcharge for non-members of the supporters club and please remember guys that these prices do not include your match day ticket so to book for this one you're going to have to do it by phone as there's no match before it at home so you can call the travel line on 07507 539 579 to book this one yeah, sorry, I seem to have put the wrong number in there. Concessions are £37 for that one. I do apologise, I've made a, a mistype on that. It's 37 and not 30 uh, So we move on then. Two pieces of AOB for you this week. One, unfortunately, we were saddened to learn of the passing of former Leighton Orient player Sammy Winston, who was just 40 four years old, that's just a year older than we are. Uh, Striker Sammy played for the O's in the 96-97 season. He played 11 games and scored one goal. A GoFundMe page has been set up to help support his partner and daughter. Uh, We tweeted that earlier in the week, but contact us if you can't find it and and have a few quid that are available uh, to, to share and we'll gladly share that with you uh, our condolences obviously go to his distraught family and, and friends yeah. at this very difficult time such a terrible shame yeah, really sad news there. I think that guy found me links on quite a lot of pages yeah. around so hopefully people are but if you can't find it let us know we're happy to share yeah on a positive note though congrats to goalkeeper Lawrence Vigaru who made his 250th football league appearance last weekend away to Grimsby what way to market with that penalty so beautifully? Absolutely. The Grimsby, the giant killers. The week ah. was then. Happy Monday. The 27th of Feb. We'll quickly skip through this week because it wasn't particularly busy. Well done, Charlie Kelman. You made it into the Football League Papers League 2 team of the day. Yes. His goal. Somehow Vigaru didn't, but uh, well uh, done. I, cu- I couldn't quite get my head around that either. Penalty save. All right, wasn't a, wasn't a, a clean sheet, but it's a penalty save in there. Yeah, very odd. So two-way Tuesday, the 28th of February then. We weren't in action, but there were five League 2 fixtures. Stevenage were away at AFC Wimbledon. They won their game 3-2. That lifted them back up to second place. That meant they were 11 points behind the O's when they have two games in hand at that point. Fourth place, Northampton, were away at Harrogate. They drew one all. And fifth place, Salford, were away at Barrow. And they drew one all as well. So not a bad evening of results there for the Orient. Yeah, absolutely. So Wednesday the 1st of March, a very happy St. David's Day to all of our Welsh fans. Yeah, I'll try and do a Welsh... Uh, don't message there but I don't know chance of no. affecting that accent it will come across as insulting it will absolutely <laughs> do that Thursday the 2nd of March in quite that club but not for yourself Stan Chums whose best and worst latent orient feature were in a new 442 magazine which had lots of feedback yeah. and lots of thoughts especially on our worst players fact for you that's sold out now in WH Smith and Loughton sent my wife down there while I was, I was at the game yesterday to get me two copies there was only one left on the shelf, so flying out. So wow. if you're lucky enough to see one, grab yourself one, because those are going to be antiques. Antiques. <laughs> Keepsakes for the future. Friday the 3rd <laughs> of March then. Uh, the club announced the nominees for February's goal of the month. They were George Moncur for his goal against Wimbledon, Ed Turns for his super smashing shot against Walsall, Ruel for his great goal from an angle against Rochdale and Idris El Mazzouni for his crafty feat against Crawley Town. Steve, your views? I think it was George for me, just okay. because really good goal, great footwork, and I think in the scope of the season that was just a massive goal. We were like on a bad run. It was a busy audience that day. Busy audience? Big crowd, sorry. Big crowd, yeah. Everyone was nervous. Yeah. And that goal as well as being a good finish, 
the relief around the ground when that went in, I thought that was a, I think that's a pretty pivotal moment in the season. Okay. So for me, I would go with McCoy. They were all pretty decent goals to be. It's fair. hard to choose, uh, and that's actually a really decent selection of goals to choose from because all individually in their own right, they all have great merit. For me, I think it would be between Idris just because of the, the switch of his feet and how quick he was to get in there, yeah. uh, and George Moncur because I think, like you say, it just was a great goal, a good setup from Ruel as well. But you know, Ruel from the angle against Colchester after the long ball, and yeah. we defended well to get it into a position where Theo's pumped it forward. Yeah. You know, they're, they're all an Ed's goal, obviously, a defender that's smashing him in with his weaker foot. So you know, there's a lot to talk about there. So. The and it was announced on on Saturday. There's only a 24 hour vote anyway, but we'll yeah, I wasn't that. So yeah, Saturday the fourth of March, and the Young O's were in action. They were at home against Cheltenham Town. Took the lead in the 16th minute through Pegram after a long ball from Phillips, and that's how the score stayed until half time. And in, in the second half, in the 61st minute, the O's went two 0 up through Smith Kowazi after a great volley from Karoma. But Cheltenham pulled a goal back from the penalty spot. Then they levelled late on in the 85th minute, and with the game looking like it would end in a draw. Up popped Karachi at the near post in the final minute as he made it 3-2 and won the game for the O's. So well done to the young O's. Those goals are actually up uh, on Twitter. Camera's not great though. Those young boys know where their camera is, I will say that. <laughs> so both, uh, what was it, both Smith, Smith Kowalski and Karachi both know exactly where the camera is. Uh, choice language there on the third goal, gents. You might want to start bleeping some of that language out when the third goal goes in. But other than that, uh, good to watch. Game on. Game on. Uh, prior to kick-off, the club announced that Ed Turns had won Goal of the Month award for February for his goal against Walsall. Well done to Ed and he's presented uh, with the Goal of the Month award by our mate Dave Blitz. Yeah. So well done. Dave, hope you enjoyed the day and doing the presentation. But yeah, friend of the podcast, that hospitality ticket must be lost in the post, eh, Dave? <laughs> uh, main event in Swindon Town at home near. Before the game, we ran a Twitter poll to find out how you thought the O's would get on in this one. We had 228 votes, which isn't bad at all. No. You voted as follows by saying only 11% of you thought the O's would lose 27% thought the game would end in a draw and a majority 62% of you thought the O's would get a win as always thanks for all of your votes on our Twitter polls yeah so at 2 o'clock as always the team was announced Lawrence Vigarou in goal James Beckles turns and Swinney with a back four midfielders Clay El Mazzuni Archibald and sadly out with Satiriu and Kelman as the strikers substitutes for this one Byrne Ogie Thompson Prattley Moncur Smith and Drynan. Yeah, so that meant that Richie Wellens named an unchanged side from last week, although Aaron Drynan did make the bench in place of Harrison Sodger, who dropped out of the squad. Mr Levy, your views on the on the team now? Yeah, look, I, I've said it a million times before, I love an un, unchanged side. The stability and strength that that brings uh, is um, the best thing, in my opinion. Very strong bench as well, as you're reading that out. You've got you know, Ogie experience, Thompson experience, Prattley, Moncur, Smith, like that is the strongest really bench strong. I think I've ever seen uh, this season. Um, yeah, what's happened to Sam Sargent though? Maybe he's injured, uh, but it'd be nice to know. Yeah, you mentioned that a couple of times, I think. Yeah, uh, he's been out weeks for ago. weeks now. Yeah, I mean, you've got to think of that as well. Within that squad, there's no Hunt, there's no Brown, there's no, no Happy. Shows you the strength of the squad, but yeah, Absolutely. that is some bench. No surprises for me. On that one, I did think that um, Pratt, you may have started for Craig Clay. You obviously got took enough against Grimsby. Yeah. Obviously, a, a stray pass led to a goal that obviously wasn't completely down to Clay, but I thought Clay might have dropped out of the team there. But no, good good selection there from Richie. And True. no one else deserved really to lose their play. So, 
no surprises there. I got 11 out of 11 on my fan hub team, so quite happy with that. Yeah, yeah nice. as predicted. Well done. A lot of tweets came into us once that team was announced. Essex Biz said, I'm wondering why Smith isn't starting. That's being a, managed. It's a valid point, being managed. Also, he's got that piece of magic thing as a tweet uh, at the end of four times. So if Smith is fit, he has to start. But at the moment, I think Theo's been in great form on the right-hand side the last couple of games. Sadly, he's Sadly done well. Useful, yeah. And to bring Smith on with about an hour gone like Richie Dunn in that game against a tiring defence is just music to my ears. Absolutely. Really. You build the guy up because he can break quite easily. You're better off just giving him 20, 30-minute cameos yeah. here and there rather than risking him doing a whole 90 or even an hour's worth. So he has to be managed. Uh, that's that's the fundamental point. Phil VZ1 said, super strong with an equally strong bench. Give Richie loads of options if required. Alan Finch, short and sweet, just said, wow. That bench. Yeah, and El Coado, uh, similar, said that's got to be the best bench in League 2. Yeah, Lenchin Chin 1 said, O's unchanged, is solid and provided they follow the agreed system and remember goals win games, we should come out on top today. I think Lenchin Chin must be like a football manager, the way he like, drafts his tweets. It's always like what you got to say then. Went on to say, Swindon have injuries, but will press for a win and it will need good defending, a fast pace and a clinical final third to succeed. Or is he using ChatGPT? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, ChatGPT. Draft me a tweet on the uh, Late Late Orient Orient team. Team. Yeah. Yeah. podcast. Yeah. The match kicked off in a chilly but very busy E10, and we'll skip to the fourth minute. Kieran Sadley are putting in a cross from our left-hand side, which is just a little bit too high for the on-rushing Theo Cut. Archibald birthday boy. Yeah, absolutely. Five minutes later, Swindon had the first shot on goal with Divine Weaved, Worked himself into a good position on the left-hand side of the area. His shot was no problem for Lawrence Vigaru. Does well there, um, Divine. Could argue James well. is beaten a little bit too easy. Yeah. Like gets around James and James at one point has got his back to him because he's turned him. And Lucky that the shot really was fairly straightforward for Vigaru. But Swindon started the game quite well. And their mm. fans were loud. So were us, actually. It was a really good atmosphere in that grounds. And obviously came off the back of winning their last two, Jody Morris. Yeah, you know, getting his feet under the table. So good atmosphere. And all, they are a good footballing team, Swindon. They got the players for it. There's no question. Well, Charlie Austin started. So you yep. Look at that, Charlie Austin, Johnny Williams eight, is number, yeah. number eight, and they, yeah. they've got some fairly decent players. Yeah, yeah. Brins a decent keeper at this level. There you go. The O's took the lead though in the 12th minute. Kieran Sadley had floated a corner in. The on-rushing unmarked Omar Beckles was there to head home from close range past Brin to make it one 0 to the Orient. Nice Thoughts? goal. Yeah. Just basic training ground routine, right? Lovely corner from Sadly, the way he kind of hits it in and gets to spin on the ball. And Beckles, I thought Beckles would score more. Only his third goal of the season. I thought Beckles had got a few more, but mm. lovely to see. And at that point, you're thinking, right, one nil up. We know Swindon's away record isn't great once they go behind. Let's go now and get a second and win it. But at that point, pretty even game. And when you're at the top of the league, like those things tend to go for you. But good header, good corner. I imagine from the training ground. Um, the management would be really happy with that. Although we did see the return of the coloured flags again. So every time we had a corner, Simon Royce would put up a colour piece of paper. Again, it was really evident because I don't know if the colours were bright or whatever, but it was really noticeable. Obviously something they've been working on uh, in the training ground. But good to see. Love it. Absolutely. Yeah, for me, good corner, good header. Yeah. I mean, the way he's delivered that perfectly and Beckles has timed the run perfectly as well. He's lost his man. His man's just standing there no watching way. him go. Yeah. Poor defending, but he's just got a free header and he's, he's done everything right. The ball just drops. He hasn't got to go up too high. Technically, absolutely superb corner from, from Kieran Sadia. 18th minute in the goal score, Omar Beckles tried to be a bit too flash. Found himself dispossessed as he tried to come out from the back. Swindon unable to capitalise and the chance was gone. An overhit cross and then we crowded him out, but... Lucky. If, if their That's player who knocked the ball of him would have hit his shot earlier, 
bit more confident and a bit more clinical. Could have been in big, big trouble there, but yep. lucky to get away with that one. A minute later, some nice link-up play from Kieran Sadlier. Charlie Kelman saw the latter have a shot which was creeping in at the near post, or so it seemed, with Bryn having to make the save, which went out for a corner from which Theo Archibald almost caught Bryn out, um, but he was able to hold Theo's drilled drilled in cross-come shot. Yeah, almost yeah. caught him out there. 25th minute in, Charlie Austin did well for the visitors. On the left-hand side, he got a cross in, floated cross, which found Hepburn Murphy, who's angled first-time sliding effort, went just wide of the near post. Guess Charlie Austin in League Two is always going to be a big draw every time. He he's still got it. You oh can yeah, tell, like his movement and just the way he was handling himself, thinking, oh, he's dangerous here. Extra, oh, he's doing well. Yeah, yeah absolutely. You can tell. Thirty-four minutes on the clock. Omar Beckles was in the mood for more goals. Unfortunately, couldn't get his head on another sadly a corner as Bryn came out and claimed yeah. the ball. Forty-fourth <laughs> minute. Then Swindon got a free kick in a very dangerous position. Had Johnny Williams over it. We all held our breath, but thankfully the free kick was. Shocking, basically. Well over the crossbar as we all kind of let out. One minute of ad. Hopefully they didn't do the... Oh, they probably did. Oh, shame. One minute of additional time was played with no further action to report as the O's went in at the break, leading one goal to nil. They certainly were. Attendance announced this one at 8,623 with 1,252 away fans making the journey. It did feel like a very busy Brisbane Road yesterday. East Stand rammed, as did the West. South felt really busy. Only little pockets were really in the north were empty, but really good atmosphere. Like I say, Swindon always bring a lot of fans to Brisbane Road to ball support the club. Felt good. Felt like a big league team match yesterday. Yeah, there you go. Decent first half, I thought, uh, and good to be leading at the break. Other results were looking okay for us as well. Yeah, we'll obviously come on to other results uh, when we do our league table roundup. Peter Foreman 2 tweeted us at half-time, said a cracking first half. Disappointing to only be one up. I think Royal has been excellent. Obviously, Royal playing in the number 10 position more so than the striker. Doing well, yeah. Obviously, positioning will come with more experience as he gets it. But obviously, two assists last week was looking decent, um, playing just behind Drynham. So, yeah. yeah, doing well. There you go. There were no changes at half-time for the O's in the 48th minute from a corner. Super striker, Ed Turns, was able to get his shot away in the box. Unfortunately, that went well wide. Yeah, may have done better <coughs> there when he sees that one back. Obviously, extended highlights aren't up yet. not seen that back, but it felt like a good opportunity there being in the south stand. 58th minute in, after taking an early knock, Theo Archibald was unable to continue. He came off for George Moncur, and Paul Smith also came on in place of Kieran Sadia, which meant Smil- Paul Smith went on the right Royal moved over to the left-hand side and George went to playing his familiar role as the number 10. Second time in the week, sadly, he's gone off at about 58 minutes, hour yeah. mark, and gone, right, you get off. You're not doing what, what I guess you're supposed to be doing or you're not ready for an hour. Reinforcements on. And to bring Paul Smith on with a half hour left, got the ground re-buzzing again like when Smith comes on. Like, everyone's like, right, come on now. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, decent subs there. Yeah, I mean, I see, sadly, a, a couple of sort of critical comments about him but I think the quality that he has been has meant that we haven't missed Smith as much yeah, as we would agree. have done without with a a and other player yeah. not of that calibre yeah. I think there's a little bit of perspective to be brought to to the view there that okay he's entitled to a couple of off games but um, from, from his point of view I think he's acquitted himself well um, and uh, yeah we haven't missed Smith as much as what I thought we were he's a very different player to Paul Smith as well so he does, Paul Smith will get the ball and drive at you and try and get fouled ultimately or try and get you a goal. Sadly, we'll pass and move it and we'll look for the opening. Different type of player. Yeah. But interesting point. Yeah. Good point. 62 minutes. Paul Smith nutmegged Tomlinson 
and putting a driven cross into the box. Unfortunately, no one there to meet it, and Tom James's rebound was blocked by the Swindon defence. Yeah, two minutes later, and in the 64th minute, somewhat against the run of play, Swindon equalised as a long ball was pumped up the pitch, finding its way to Wakeling. He played a 1-2 with his man, and suddenly went through on goal, and were Vigoru to beat, beat Vigoru, brought it into the net. So make it one or one, I think your thoughts on that one, Mr Levy? <sighs> Poor goal to concede, I thought. Um, I thought... I thought it was a bit poor from Tom James or Omar Beckles. I'm not sure which one was was ultimately culpable, but they shouldn't be able to pass through our defence that easily and open us up like that. We've been pretty solid. You know, we've kept 20 yeah. clean sheets this season out of 34, 35 games at this point. Yeah. You know, it's it, it's not a mean feat, but um, you know, and we're not going to keep clean sheets in every single game. But I just felt that that was a little bit poor. We were caught a little bit too high bit flat-footed, three men around the one player that meant that there was a um, too many on one and not watching the other and we're just busy ball watching. It was, um, at the time, everyone in the stand was going, oh, it's Tom Jones' man again, what's happening to Tom Jones? Not, when I watched it back, I actually think Omar Beckel should be doing much better there in terms mm. of his positioning and he almost is able to kind of cut the pass out and he, does, he kind of retreats on it, if that makes any sense. Yeah. So, Obviously, he doesn't go to the Tom James to attack will it. get the criticism, exactly. yeah. and you'll see this in the tweets that we get. But not just Tom James. Like I said last week, Craig Clay, he's the one who gives the ball away. Grimsby still have got to get the ball out to the left, get the cross in, and score the goal. So, you know, sometimes uh, players do get um, blamed unfairly at points. Mm. Although Tom James last week, that was blaming Tom James's fault. Yeah, because he passed it to the goal. But I, but I felt yeah. a bit, I felt it was a bit harsh on him um, after okay. yesterday. So 71st went in, another double substitution for the O's. As Darren Prattley and Aaron Dryden came on, they replaced Tom James and Charlie Kelman. So that meant Craig Clay went to right back um, for a little while on this one. Ed Turns was booked for a challenge on Hepburn Murphy in the 74th. Yeah, Ed Turns has taken no prisoners now. No. He's obviously gone from boy to man in the space yeah. of, what, eight weeks now? Yeah. Really looking comfortable there and fouling Hepburn Murphy quite violently, I'd say. So well done there to Ed Turns. <laughs> 76 minute final sub for the O's, as well as Satori came off. He was replaced by Adam Thompson, who went to right back. Then Craig Clay went back into the midfield. So nice shift in there. And I guess with the strength and depth of the squad, Mr. Wellens, Super Richie Wellens can do that. He can. 79 minutes now. Ed Turns went for an overhead kick after Adam Thompson flicked on a long Paul Smith throw-in, but the ball went wide of the post. Yeah, we're having a lot of corners and a lot of long throw-ins that were getting flicked on, but not really coming to much, unfortunately. So in the 86 minute, then the ever-dangerous Paul Smith fired across into the box but Bryn managed to palm it away. You've got the feeling that Smith had the beating of his man all day long. He got him a booking as well, but not mentioned. Their man picked up a booking for a foul on Smith and you just thought, just get the ball to Smith. Yeah. He's looking like he can make something happen today. 87 minutes, so just a minute later, we went close as George Moncur took a short corner, play, corner played a 1-2 with Paul Smith and George tried to curl one in the far corner. Unfortunately, he went oh. just wide. Just wide, look close from where we were. Obviously, yeah. the TV not as close as what it did, but nice idea there from George. Seen him go in uh, before. So, five minutes of additional time awarded in the 92nd minute. Idris Almazuni managed to get a shot away under pressure, but it was straight at Bryn. And in the last piece of action in the match, Paul Smith looked to have been bought down in the box. Loud appeals from the ground. The ref looked at it, said no, and then blew the full time whistle shortly after as the points were shared. As an even game for Brisbane Road ended 1-0 and Richie Wellens took his lap of honour in front of the appreciative home 
but also away fans, fans who yeah. also gave him a good, Wellings. Yeah, they gave him a good reception. Um, so we are delighted that uh, Dave Victor shares the post-match interview uh, with us. We're going to play that now for you because um, it's uh, although it's been up, I think, on the club's um, app, it's not uh, widely been heard. So very thankful to Dave for sharing that with us. So here is Dave Victor in conversation post-match with Richie Wellens after Swindon. Richie, thanks for joining us. A competitive game against your former club. Is it a match you should have won? Um, I think if anybody was deserved to win, I think we put more pressure, had more balls in around their box, more opportunities to score. But um, we just let a 20-minute spell, very similar to Grimsby last week, where you know, what, what's happening at the moment is, you know, you play an opposition and before the game, oh, these are the best team in the league, um, we've got nothing to lose, blah, blah, blah. And then when you go 1-0 down, they come in at half-time and you've got even less to lose and then they have a real good go, a real good go. And we just make bad decisions again. We give the we turn the ball over in the middle of the pitch when we can play forward, you know, and, and, the, and the goals are really, really poor. Poor goal for the left-back, for the left centre-back to clear it down the line. The second ball picked up by the left wing-back and he runs through the middle of the pitch. It's a poor, poor goal to give away. But um, I'm a little bit disappointed because I thought in the first half we bullied them a little bit, which obviously they've got an injury situation at centre-back um, and then we, we didn't continue to do that we, we bullied them, we put balls in areas fought down his left-hand side, Sweeney's won a lot in, and he got us up the pitch and started to play in good areas, <coughs> but then we think oh we're a really good team now, and now we start playing little tippy-tappy passes um, which is fine but get two or three in and then hurt the opposition by sucking them in and playing out in different areas, um, and we never done that when we played long in the first half it was always big, it was always in behind we got defenders were into their own goal or when the defenders did win it then it landed in an area which was positive for us in the second half we didn't do that apart from the last 15 minutes when we give it a right good goal and we look like we wouldn't again I made it 12 corners and you scored from the first disappointing one I think again because of their injury crisis I thought physically we could we could we could do something from corners first goal uh, first corner was good good delivery good timing good blockers um, and then from then on we we just don't do what we've, we've worked on in training in terms of the, the, the setup, people in the right place. Um, so, yeah, it was good to get a one, but with 12 corners, we should be getting first contact on, on a lot more. Paul Smith looked sharp when he came off the bench. Two yeah. penalty appeals? Uh, yeah, I don't think... Listen, if he gives it, he's very genuine. I'd, I'd, not one point did I think that he's a penalty. Would have been very kind. So, um, I think in the end, they probably deserved a point and didn't deserve a penalty to give against them in the last minute of the game. Um, and they've got good footy players. They've got some good technical players. And if you step off or you get your press wrong, which we did numerous times throughout the game, um, then they can hurt you. Um, but again, I think if there's one team that should have won it, it was maybe us. But was a, a draw a fair result? You know, if they come out and say a draw was a fair result, then I, I wouldn't argue with that. Yeah, Archie pulled okay. Yeah, he just felt something uh, clicking his knees. So um, with Smudge coming back now, we need to get Smudge up and running. Um, then obviously it was an opportunity to smudge on the pitch and obviously take the risk, we'll get him scanned and we'll see where we're at with him. It is a strong bench, you've got other players, I imagine, that are coming back to fitness now. Is that, can you have too many players available? Does it make it a little bit harder for you? You can have too many players if you're Chelsea and you've got 30-odd players that are all worth 100 million. That, I mean, but we've got just about the right balance. We would like, obviously, the other players that are, <coughs> are injured to come back. Um... I just think I look at the bench in, in terms of Tom and Shad. Yep, defensively we, we're pretty secure. Um, in Pratt's 
and, and Monks in midfield were pretty secure. And obviously with attacking threat, Drizzen and Paul Smith. So um, I think it, listen, you need a strong bench because we've had issues this season when we have had injuries. So um, you know, I'm happy with the size of the squad and obviously the the, uh, the amount of players I think he's probably just about right. It is such a competitive league that's demonstrated by what happened at Scotland today with Watchdale beating Stevenage. It's not easy. It's not easy. Every, every team that gets there and just about to kick on, you know, a, a dodgy result is always around the corner. So, um, what you, again, today, if you're not going to win it, don't lose it because it's important. We've got ourselves in a position where, let's we wanting to win that game. I think in the last 15 minutes, you've shown that everything, the tempo, the aggression, you know, we're putting balls in areas. Okay, it wasn't fluid. I would like us to pass the ball a little bit more. Um, but we're, we're looking to win the game. But if you can't win it, don't lose it. Again, we move on to 72 points. We just need every single game to make sure that scoreboard, our points, tally keeps on ticking over. Seven unbeaten, and it's a tough one next weekend at Mansfield. Yeah, I spoke to you, Dave, and probably Luke at the start of the season, where if you finish above them and Northampton, you'll, you'll probably get automatic. So my, my opinion of that doesn't really, doesn't really, won't really change. I think Thursday marks your first year anniversary at uh, Brisbane Road. You've achieved so much. Um, in terms of yourself, where do you feel that... Uh, achieved? Yeah, but, you know... No. Nothing. Not achieved, nothing, no. No. Until you get silverware, until you got things that are put next to your name in terms of the, the club and the group, then you've not achieved anything. We've been on a good run. But um, I can think of, what is it, 95 points now? I wish I had 95 points in the league. If you offer me 95 points now, I'll take it. Yeah, we've achieved nothing yet. Listen, we've got a good, good core values at this club, a real good culture in terms of work ethic and, and winning mentality. You know, we want that to, to continue. As soon as you come off, football will smack you in the arse and it'll, it'll pay you back and you don't get your just rewards. You can, never, you can never take your foot off it. So as long as we train well, as long as we do the basics well, which on the whole, since, what has it been, 46 league games now, you know, we've done. Um, and we need to keep doing that. Thank you very much. Right, no Thank, you. Thank you. So that was Richie Wellens' post-Swindon interview with Dave Victor. Thanks again, Dave, for that. Quite a few talking points there off the back of that one. <laughs> yeah, I always like the way he talks. And he'd done the same with Luke on Friday where Luke went some achievement, you know, 70 points. And he went, like, what? what are you talking about? What achievement? And he'd done the same today when Dave was asking him a similar question. Like, he, I like the focus he's got. So he... Self on the outside, he's yeah, almost off. Yeah, which self, it might be different. It might be different on the inside, but he might be obviously showing a sterner outside to try and get the players over the line. But he's always honest, always a good assessment of the game. I actually felt the second penalty shout was a penalty, so mm, which he obviously it. didn't. So yeah, all you got to do is just say, you know, he's always honest because he has achieved. He's moved the club forwards. He's moved the dial forwards. So to say you haven't achieved anything yet is only relative if you're talking about have we won the league yet well, or got promoted yet that's exactly what he's waiting if, for if that's the only thing that you measure success by then you might be in as a lower league football manager for a really long tough career because that's not necessarily a measure of success in for some clubs no but in, in his eyes that is what it's about alright so he's already got one with Swindon he's going to get a second let's be honest he's going to get a second and I only found out yesterday he's younger than me and you He's a day younger than me. I knew that. I, I, I thought he was slightly older. He's a day younger than me and he's already going to have two promotions on his CV by 42. Not bad going at all. Very focused. So, yeah, well played. It was always thanks to Dave for sending over uh, his interview. Absolutely right. So, the league table. Yeah, the league table. Then. That draw means the O's still top of the league too. So, we've now played 35 games. 121, draw 9, lost 5. Goal difference of plus 24. 
72 points, so 11 games left. It's worth noting Carlisle won 2-0 yesterday against FA Cup Premier League giant killers Grimsby Town. They're now in second place, 11 points behind the O's. Stevenage lost again, 2-0. Wait, bottom of the league, Rochdale. Back to Rochdale. Yeah, absolutely. Stevenage, stay out. Stevenage now 12 points behind us, two games in hand. Fourth place, Northampton won 1-0. 13 points behind us. So, like Matt said, let them scrap it out below us. We can just keep pulling away. That's right. Having a nice time at the top of the table. Yeah. So, a bit of Lejeune you're using yesterday. Yeah, very very short for me. Um, it's one point closer to the main target. Um, granted, it's another game that possibly shouldn't have been as close as it was or should have been. Perhaps it should have been out of sight in the first half where we've created a little bit. But, look, the, like Richie said, the most important thing is is if you're not going to lose, if you're not going to win the game, just don't lose the mm. game. And, um, you know, yeah, Theo going off is, is obviously a blow, but we've got players that can come on in his place. So if he isn't fit and ready for next week, then we've got Paul Smith who can potentially come in and, and he's now got half an hour yep. uh, under his belt, which is great. Credit to Swindon as well. You know, they came in with loads of injuries throughout their squad. I think they had yep. a makeshift back four uh, yesterday. So, like, fair play to them. And as I sort of exchanged messages with a mate on WhatsApp who voiced his frustration about the team's performance on Saturday, yeah. I said, look, we're top. By a distance, we're Should going up. Yeah. Enjoy the ride. Let's not get bogged down by the specifics of who did, who said, she said, he said, all that kind of stuff. It like to be perfectly blunt, thirty-five games in, top of the league by uh, what did we say, eleven points? Um, is is not uh, like something that many of us would have ever experienced. So, does it really matter how we play, how good or bad it was, and this mistake and that mistake, and whether you agree or disagree with the team selection? Obviously, everyone's entitled sure. to opinions. I'm not saying we don't. That's what otherwise we wouldn't have a blooming podcast, but. We just need the points on the board now. Gritty or flashy, fluid or disjointed, however it comes, it doesn't have to be pretty. I'll take gritty 1-0 wins all day long if it just means that we get more points on the board. And ultimately, in 11 games' time, we're talking about uh, a promotion. And especially, you know, teams around us are sabotaging themselves. You know, Kalal have quietly gone about their business and crept up they're now second. Stevenage taking their having yeah. their having their wobble now. Northampton don't seem to have recovered uh, at all. They seem to be struggling. Although I think they won yesterday. But by the by, you know they're they're fourth now when they were yeah. quite comfortably second and third at, at, at times. So you know it is how it is. We've just got to focus on us getting more and more points on the board and and looking at promotion. Yeah, good shout, me. Yeah, short and sweet for me. I think a draw was probably a fair result in this one. Played well in the first half. Needed a second goal but couldn't get it. And if you only one up. You can get broken, yeah, uh, and scored against. We look good without being spectacular. That's probably the right way of saying it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Swindon aren't a bad team. Hard to play against. I think Jody Morris will probably do well in him next season. Yeah, I mean they're on the outskirts now. They might sneak playoffs, but I think they might be teams to look out for next season. I thought most players were okay. No huge standouts. I thought Smith looked really good when he came on. Sweeney had another decent game. Tom James. We'll get flack in this one. I don't think he was particularly worse than anyone else, really, in terms of his ball distribution. I don't remember him giving the ball away too often, not yeah. more, not less or more than anyone else did. Thought the no- noise from both sets of fans made the atmosphere really good. Good atmosphere in there. I agree with you in that one. Another point, one step closer to the promised land of Lee Two. Fifth game for my youngest, wow. Emily, um, who still hasn't seen us lose. Played four, played five, one four, drawn one. Yeah, League One. So yeah, decent. I think I said it. You just said it, but I said it about two, three weeks ago. Like 
people just got to relax now and just enjoy yeah. it because if you're not enjoying this you're not going to enjoy Orient ever because in your wildest dreams no one would have said after 35 games you'll be 11 points clear of second place in fact if you would have said oh you're going to get 72 points in total next season probably go alright that's probably enough that's for the playoffs, playoffs. Yeah. thanks very much I'll see you at Wembley but um, yeah happy days indeed so short and sweet from us and as you can imagine as always we get loads of views from Twitter so thanks to everyone who sent in their views and again We'll read as many as we can. Just because we read them doesn't mean we agree with them. So Orient's Meat Pie got the ball rolling. Said, what a weird second half. Strange subs disrupted the flow and we looked vulnerable to the counter-attack. Got to give Swindon credit. Our entire strategy consisted of Smith lobbing long throws in and little else. Casey Adams, LOSC, tweeted uh, a very short, how many times has James cost us this season? Mm, interesting. Record blew up. So the game we should have won. So to draw it's disappointing. Fort Smith was lively when he came on. And while at some points dropped, Fatty Evans and co got beat by Rochdale. So at least there's a smile somewhere. Yeah, Ross McCaff said every point is precious at this stage. And by my reckoning, that's seven games unbeaten, which is useful. But still worrying, A, how we never looked like scoring again. And B, how they scored with what was pretty much their only decent chance. Yeah, fair points there from Ross Painting Orient. So Swindon will be grateful for the point, but like us, came to play football. Smithy looks in good shape and is bound to play a big part in the final run. Matty, LOFC Evans said, felt it was a good first half, we dominated, needed a second goal to take control, which never happened. Then, one through ball punished us with their equaliser. Another point and Stephen is dropping points. The Carlisle game is the game our season hinges on, I feel. I don't think it will hinge on that one. I think it might decide where the championship might go, but I don't think it will decide whether we go up automatically or not. We will see simply a red. So taking Sadler off, changes the game as Moncarta Royal aren't as effective on the wide left. Sweeney exposed as a result, but he was rightly man of the match. Good point there. Yeah, uh, Wilco300 said, disappointing result. The lack of a striker is costing us points as we can't put games to bed. I would disagree with that still. There wasn't one chance with Dryden had. And again, Dryden presses from the fr- Some pressing yesterday was immense from the front as well. Dryden and Kalman, Smith, Sadlia, Royal, they all pressed so quickly. And again, forcing the opposition into errors. I kind of disagree with that one. I think the strikers aren't doing bad for what they are. Although we do still get a lot of comments on the, um, on the strikers, as evident with that tweet. Tom D. Simmons, underscore Tom. It's a classic tale of two halves. Very good first 45 but lack of finisher up front continues to haunt us. Hard to grumble given we're still top, but it's disappointing that mediocre performances are now becoming the norm, not the expectations and impetus has slowed up. I did watch, sorry to um, make another point, Omar Beckles post-match and uh, Oli Buck and Omar talked about not keeping a clean sheet for a couple of games. It's two games since I get the last clean sheet, which isn't bad. We kept the last clean sheet two weeks ago. Hmm. We only conceded at Grimsby yesterday. I don't think that's the end of the world or even a talking point. But it just shows you the expectation now that we've conceded, we've kept 20 clean sheets out of 35. Is now, yeah. That's almost expectation every week, which is a great expectation to have, especially for Omar and that defence. But I didn't, I didn't think that was a, like a huge stat at the time. Yeah, it's, it, we've kept a clean sheet in like, what, 60, 70% yeah. of our games. And someone says we haven't kept one for a couple of games. What's going on? Yeah. The expectations know, are just exactly. like beyond. Exactly. Uh, Boats, he said, in the end it was a fair result. We just couldn't take our chances in the first half. Fair play to Swindon, who came to play football. It's another point towards promotion. However, we do need to start punishing teams when we are on top. Yeah. We always like this has been a reoccurring thing throughout, hasn't it? It's like we've not got out of second gear. It's like 
we've not ever put a team to the sword. We thought that was going to happen a few games ago when we were two 0 up and rampant against Rochdale. Rochdale, and then they came, then they came back and nicked a goal. It's like the most nervous two one win that you've ever get likely to see, and it's just we never get out of second gear. Well, second gear is our fourth gear. Like we, yeah. that's that's where we're at, and I think people expecting more, uh, but we, we we've not trounced the team. No one's trounced us. We haven't trounced the team in a long time. No. From not, what like, I can remember, not like the fours and fives that we had last season. No, but I'd rather much be beating teams 1-0 like one, we have yeah, this season. 100%. Than, uh, have this season than, than that season. Yeah. Yeah. Daniel underscore D44 said, thought that was a wasted opportunity. 1-0 up, clearly the better team. We got in their box loads of times, but didn't like getting a second. And Swindon were clearly dangerous on the counter. Disappointed with Moncur when he came on. But good to see Smith looking sharp. Stroud Greeno said, Disappointing to give up a lead, but a point against Swindon is okay considering our standing. Not been much to criticise this season, but one thing we need to improve on is pressing our home advantage. Had opposition on the ropes for large spells in the first half, but didn't kill it. Yeah, M8XYL said, Would have taken it before the game. Thankfully, we are in a position now where we can afford to draw against the half-decent sides and win against the poorer teams and still achieve our goal. Disappointing. We weren't more clinical, but it just seemed like one of those days. Dave Brew, 47976911, said it was a disappointing result. The performance wasn't great. Very bitty. Lost too many second balls and didn't work their keeper enough. But it's another point closer to promotion. And as we don't lose many games, that's fine. Swinney, man of the match. Beckles, other than the goal, looks shaky. Eight more points will do. Daniel underscore Smith 80 said, first half was brilliant. Should have been 3-0 up and killed the game. Second half, we looked a bit lost and tired. Misplaced passes, still got a point and 12 clear. We need to chant more at home games, increase the atmosphere and on to next week. Yeah, Willow Gaffer said, Today's game is a taste of what to expect next season in League One. The atmosphere was great, looked in control in the first half, never thought we'd lose the game. We didn't do enough to get the second and one slip cost us. Still in total control of promotion, keep positive. Oh, Hank was disappointing not to kill the game off, but another point gained. Mark Devlin needs to rethink his proposed 20% hike for some tickets next season. Now, that's really interesting because that's what sparked the whole debate about Mark's programme notes because we were talking about this before we came on air. We don't know that many people that buy a programme pretty much. I know they sell loads because I see people doing it, but we don't know many people that do. So it wasn't until um, that Twitter handle posted that. And I didn't give it much thought. I just thought someone had just randomly thrown a number out there. So I didn't think... But someone said, where'd you get that from? Where's that number come from? Yeah. And then that's what sparked that's the whole... Yeah, which so it's your to blame there. <laughs> O's fan facing said, didn't really produce any chances in the second half. Looked a bit tired. They weren't a bad team though. Point was okay. We are only really disappointed as other teams won, but they had to this week because of who they were playing. Samuel LOFC 97 said, respect the points. If we're going to play with a back three in possession with Sweeney going high... Then Thompson should be playing over James. James is far too suspect defensively. Les LK52 said, Just one thought. If Paul Smith is fit, it is a criminal act not to start him. The only man taking on defenders and beating him. It's an interesting point. When Paul Smith is fully fit and you've got your choice, Theo, Sadlier, Paul Smith, Moncur, Ruel, Kalman, Drynan. It's an interesting choice to see who gets the four. Obviously, the left, the right, the 10 and the 9. And I've heard a few people go, oh, I'll play Smith as the 9, but Paul Smith isn't a striker. So I don't think that would work. No. But very interesting points there. Hopefully, it's another nice headache for Mr. Super Richie um, to have. So, 
Dovey Bear said, every game is a big game now. Every team wants to beat or at least take a point off the runway. League leaders, they all step up their game. Richie Khan said that in his post. That's a great point. Yeah, really good point. That's a really great point. They absolutely do do that. Jonathan S. Glass said it was pretty dire. Second half was awful. Their goalie had nothing to do. It's pretty obvious why we score so few goals. I come home after almost every match wondering how we are top of the table. Oh, nice. <laughs> Crack down. Barry, BU5544016. I don't know Beckle scored, but on too many occasions he seems to switch off when he's defending. He's been at fault for a number of goals we've conceded. And also, why do we continue with the long throws? Nothing comes from them. Good points. We did. We had a lot of long throws yesterday. A lot in the second half. Mm. That I don't think they had to make one save from I definitely would report one save from one of those long throws. Plenty of flick-ons, but no one gets on the end of the flick-on. So, interesting point there from Barry. Apostolus Andre 9 said, Not disrespecting the point. We had Swindon on the ropes in the first 30 minutes, but didn't take advantage, and they then grew into the game. Our reluctance to shoot is quite frustrating. Steve, the F1 said, So much good possession first half, so few clear chances. We seem to get a notably going into the penalty box, needing to cover centre-back in January. Probably has cost us a decent striker. And it shows. Yeah, uh, Lismore underscore Ian said, Great to see Paul Smith back from injury. He looked really lively when he came on. What a position to be in 11 points clear in March. And we dominated really for 90 minutes, just couldn't find the second goal. And Pandemonium 1881 said, A bit like if we fail to win the league from here. A little frustrating after taking the lead. I thought Swindon had more about them than several we have played but they didn't really work things until the goal, and even then it came from a poor defensive lapse. Definitely should have put them to bed first half, and in my honest opinion, if we go to up, it's game over. Bit flat second half, but it's another point, and perhaps more importantly, another game nearer me, where we are now looking for the finish line. Like I say, frustrating, but not gutted. Penultimate word this week goes to Kevin Cowlands, who said, Kevin Cowlands, who says, we played some lovely football at times, but fair play to Swindon, who came to play and went toe-to-toe with us. One of the best teams to come to E10 this season, and I thought they deserved their point. An excellent game. We won't win them all, but it's a point nearer. Well done, Jaden Sweeney. He's making himself undroppable. Nicely done. Happy birthday, Kevin, for Thursday. Hope you had a lovely birthday. And yep. the final word goes to Parksy, 1881. It was a great goal to start, missed chances, disjointed second half. Beckle should have taken a card for their goal, but respect the point. Had Carlisle, Northampton and Stevenage all down to win today, and Stevenage are imploding. So those were all views that came into us. So Orient Outlook, let us know if you agree or disagree with any of the tweets that have been read out. You can do so by tweeting us at Orient Outlook. You can also email us if you're not on Twitter. You can find us at orientoutlook.com. We're also on Facebook at Orient Outlook Podcast and you can also find us on Instagram at Orient underscore Outlook underscore podcast. We've got the same amount of followers on Facebook and on Instagram, 922. So it'd be nice to get to 1,000 yeah. on both of those platforms That'd be before great. too long. Yeah, absolutely. So that wraps up the Swindon game except for the town and country Harlow Prediction League update. So they cover London, Essex and Hertfordshire, Town and Country, Harlow Estate Agents. They're run by two Orient season ticket holders and fans and with the podcast have helped dozens of people move home. And the best bit is they offer all Orient fans and staff a discount off their already competitive fees. So if you're thinking of selling your property or you're just curious as to its value, save yourself a few hundred quid, keep it in the Orient family, give them a call now, 01279 883444 or 07528 471497 or contact TNC Harlow 
or at Charlie underscore Paul on social media. And well done to uh, several people who uh, got it correct. Parksy1881, David Rose88, Wrecker Blue App, uh, Charlie869, 03648 at Essex Biz, uh, Lawton Gamps and Orient Boy, who correctly predicted one all and gets three points. Yeah, but well done to Floodgates, who was the only person out of about 150 predictions who said one on Beckles to score, who took the maximum four points. So well done. That means the top of the prediction league is as follows. So 34 points, looking likely to win the championship. That's tall O's fan. He's followed by 26 point O's fan basing, 25 points Steve Chaplin for, and on 23 points behind them, LOFC underscore Dan and LOFC Theresa. As always, thanks for all of your predictions in that one. Yep, so just worth noting that in CEO Mark Devlin's notes, the pro in uh, programs notes, there are quite a few big updates which may have gone under the radar. So just in case you've not seen it, we did <laughs> post it on Twitter and uh, Facebook and the Leighton Orient fan Facebook groups. And we also obviously did that on Instagram as well. But just in case you've missed that, uh, some season ticket and match tickets could increase by up to 20%. Yeah, the uh, article said there were three potential sites for new training ground. They do have, the ball do have a clear favourite, but obviously didn't specify where that was or the progress, but obviously... Matt kind of mentioned that earlier. Yeah, uh, also mentioned was a specialist project manager has come in, and we mentioned this in our interview at the top of the show with Matt Porter, that a specialist project manager has come in on a short-term basis to see how to improve the East Stand, and the club are going to receive a full report at the end of May. Also went on to say the club can't rule out a new stadium as well. So it's only a one-pager in the programme, like Paul said. After getting the L Hankles tweet, we thought it would be good to get that out there. We hadn't seen it, so... I literally text the one bloke who I know buys a season ticket, a season ticket, a program for his kid. He sent us a, a snapshot of the program, and obviously we posted that. A good update there in the program, which we've spoken all about, and I'm sure Mark Devlin's notifications must be going absolutely mental. Mental, still, yeah. Even at this late hour. So Sunday, the fifth of March. Happy birthday to Theo valentine archibald hope you've had a lovely day and hope the injury is not too bad matey absolutely also today the ladies were in action they were at home to afc Leighton, and they won the game 3-1 so well done to the ladies yeah well done ladies so one hour 17 minutes 29 seconds that's wrapped this bad boy up fantasy football update Stuart coleman is top of the orient outlook podcast fantasy football league he's up 700 sorry 1706 points ahead of daniel clark in second place closely behind on 1699 the league is still updating from today's game so i think that still oh. could change i'm in a hundred i'm in 222nd place out of 355 players i don't think i will be once it updates but we will have to wait oh, a little bit today unreal um what a unbreak what an unreal result so positives and negatives we've got just two positives uh, this week unfortunately despite there not being a loss but we are still top of the league yeah absolutely. um have been for for several months now we haven't lost in seven games. Tranmere away on the 28th of January was our last loss, so that's a decent record. Pretty decent February, I think, for the O's by all accounts. Yeah. So negatives in, uh, we've got three. Weirdly, we've got more negatives than positives, even though where we sit, but let's round those up then. So first of all, didn't win the game, didn't beat Swindon, so good position um, at half-time. Obviously, had the chances and possession to do so, but we didn't win, so that's negative. Secondly, Theo's injury. So Richie said it wasn't too bad after the game. We hope that is the case and I hope Theo is fit for next week. And the third negative that we've whacked on here is the potential cost of season cards next season. There was a tweet earlier that says the South Stand is currently 335 for 20% height. Takes yeah. that to 400 
and two potentially. So I obviously understand the club starts on it, but that's a lot of money uh, to find from somewhere for most people. So obviously understand the club starts on it, but we feel that is a negative to put in for this yeah, week. Absolutely right. So town and country Harlow hero of the week. This week we didn't take it to the Twitter uh, for a Twitter poll. It was pretty unanimous here at Orient Outlook Podcast Towers that after a year at the helm and completely changing the club's fortunes, our hero of the week this week is Super Richie Wellens who has been a guest on this very podcast. Yes, so well done, Richie. Congrats on your year in charge. You have done a tremendous job. You shouldn't uh, downplay your achievements, although we haven't won a cup or won the league yet. Nonetheless, you have turned us around from relegation fodder to promotion uh, elect, yeah. champions elect. So the turnaround is should should never be underestimated. Yeah, I can agree with you more. Yeah, so well done, Super Richie. So next week's fixtures in just the one fixture this week as we travel up to Mansfield Town on Saturday, the eleventh of March. Mansfield Town won three one yesterday away at Wimbledon with XO Danny Johnson back amongst the goals for Mansfield. They are eighth in League Two, one place off the playoffs. It's been from what I remember, anyway, a difficult place for Orient to go. I don't think we've won there in a good couple of... Oh, last time we won there was the Embleton last minute one. Do you remember? 2-0 down and we won 3-2 no. when Embleton was in charge. Yeah, so I haven't won in the last two or three years, but I've had some good times in Mansfield. So if you go and have a safe journey um, and tweet us on your way pre or hopefully on your victorious journey home. Yeah. Um, last six for them, one for drawn, yeah. one lost one. So form. they're in decent form they as well. Are. So sponsorship reminder, don't forget, get in touch with John and the fantastic team of experienced florists at Carol Langley Florist. Call them on 0208 529 4130 or get in contact via social media at Carol Langley E4 or at Essex Biz on Twitter. They're on Instagram, Carol Langley Florist and search Facebook for Carol Langley Florist. So that is it. That is it indeed. Thank you for joining us for episode 313. And on the pitch, you have to respect the point and that means we are one point closer to our achievement of promotion. While off the field, Mark Devlin's programme notes sparked a lot of discussion as he candidly noted that season card prices could rise up by 20% next season, amongst many other talking points. And we have another big test next week away at Mansfield Town, who are no pushovers, and Richie and the coaching team have now a whole week on the training ground to prepare, and hopefully this time next week we'll be talking about another positive week on and off the pitch at the Mighty O's. Yeah, so if you're listening on iTunes, please subscribe. Please, if you can, give the podcast a five-star rating and review on whatever platform you get your podcast from. It would genuinely be really grateful. Uh, we'd be grateful. It also helps um, push us up the ranking so that other fans, whether there are other clubs or have a passing interest of us, can find us easy, uh, nice and easily. Uh, if you're listening on SoundCloud, Spotify, tune in and Stitcher. Add us to your favourites, and that way you'll have all the podcasts available as soon as we upload them. We're on smart speakers, we're on the Fan Hub app, so listening to this podcast could not be easier. If you've got an older relative, a loved one, or an Orient chum who you think would like the podcast, grab their phone for them, download it, pass the pod. Wherever you are listening in the world, please pass the pod. Yeah, so before we sign this one off, massive thank you to Matt Porter for making time on his Sunday night and coming on the podcast. I guess he thought it could be slightly easier chat. Obviously, Mark Devlin's notes took up a whole heap of that, but... Like we said, it would be remiss of us not to ask yep. the questions listed there. So, so thanks important. to everyone for sending in their questions and the club for getting Matt on the podcast. We'll be back with episode 314 next week with all the information and views that you could ever need. So we look forward to hearing from you. And as always, keep calm, 
stay safe, have a great week, and listen to the Orient Outlook podcast. Up the O's. <laughs> <laughs>